they were always supposed to be the host or is he supposed to Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Gray Matters is the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Definitely a touch of autumn. Finally, it's been kind of warm here in Ann Arbor, but uh, quite pleasant. Trees are still very green here, and uh, pretty amazing to read about that typhoon that hit japan whoa uh one of the uh, just a very quick comment about that it was very interesting to find out that tokyo a city that basically has a metropolitan area of about 35 million has spent billions i mean tens of billions of dollars uh dealing with uh flooding from these kinds of events uh we're talking here about 40 inches of rain and one day <laughs> and there was massive flooding massive disruptions i heard about some bullet train uh units that are underwater and that will cost 30 million dollars a piece to replace each one of them so the natural disasters keep clobbering japan one way or another and of course they had that remarkable uh tsunami a couple of years ago that uh, destroyed the Fukushima nuclear reactor. So we have it pretty good here in the United States still. Well, obviously, islands are particularly vulnerable to climate shift uh, problems. And it's interesting that the uh, the climate uh, uh, issue, i just to continue on this subject briefly, um, sort of got... Uh, overtaken by all of the Ukrainian stuff. You'll recall just a couple of weeks ago that young uh, Greta Thunberg uh, gave a speech at the UN on a Monday, <laughs> literally three weeks ago. And Nancy Pelosi announced the impeachment inquiry the next night uh, because it was revealed that there was this whistleblower letter that the uh, White House was trying to cover up. And the rest is history, and we're going to keep proceeding with that um, impeachment inquiry uh, 
interesting to see the ambassadors uh, define Trump, Trump to protect their own reputation. <coughs> but real quickly on Miss Thunberg, you know, she gave her speech and you know, the outrageous attacks on her the next day, I never mentioned this, but I was reading that Dinesh D'Souza, a convicted felon, who was pardoned by Trump. Pardon notwithstanding, right. Pardoned by Trump along with Giorgio Arpaio. Uh, pardoned by Trump, by the way, just parenthetically, yeah. is like putting a sprig of parsley next to a turd. Yeah. It doesn't really dress anything up. And remember that, that Trump, guy. Remember that Trump pardoned him on the on the Friday night when the hurricane was about to hit mm-hmm. Houston. I, I Harvey, I think, was the hurricane. Yep. Fifty inches of rain down there, because he said more people would be watching the news. Ridiculous. Uh, anyway, getting back to Dinesh D'Souza, um, who attacked Miss Thunberg the next day, likening her image to one's. Used in Nazi propaganda, posting a photo on Twitter of Miss Thunberg wearing her signature long braids next to an illustration of a young woman with a similar hairstyle standing in front of a swastika flag. Quote, children, notably Nordic white girls with braids and red cheeks, were often used in Nazi propaganda, he wrote. An old Goebbels technique, he said, referring to Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi propaganda minister. Well, that's a pretty offensive comparison. Pretty outrageous. Um, I don't really know much about Greta Thunberg's uh, hairstyle choices, uh, but uh, young ladies often wear braids, and sometimes they don't. Who cares? Well, I, but uh, yeah, the imagery is and the accusation is outrageous. Yeah, I've said it before. I'll say it again here now. That adults who use media in all of its forms, whether it's social media or mainstream media or whatever special category Fox deigns to carve out for themselves in that spectrum. Um, people who use the, the media to berate children who choose to speak up about issues of concern are a special breed of moron. Uh, what, are they jealous of the attention that this young lady is getting? Uh, the way the Parkland kids were attacked? Uh, it's, it's really... Uh, it doesn't speak very well about oneself to do that. Yeah, it's it's sort of exasperating, and it shows what a amateur critic uh, Dinesh D'Souza is. He's been around for many years, and he is. There's a, nothing he won't apologize for. Well, he's just a, talk about a right wing fan of Goebbels. <laughs> yeah, that's him. Uh, of course, uh, the cover up doesn't seem to be working. Uh, at all this week, as various uh, State Department officials have uh, either testified or are about to testify. And it's quite clear to me, by the way, that this infamous phrase, quid pro quo, became a key talking point that Trump uh, conferred with uh, Ambassador Sondland about. when you know, That five-hour gap between yeah. the text to uh, Taylor, I think his name was, an actual State Department uh, certified employee, and uh, his response, oh, by the way, we shouldn't be texting about this. Yeah, because, of course, he... <clears throat> These are traceable records. Traceable records, and Ambassador Taylor, who was just new new to the job, by the way, he replaced uh, uh, Vojvon, Vojvonovic, um Marie, who, who testified last week, um... And, uh, look, she's a lifetime uh, diplomat that worked in the State Department for 30 years, a professional that 
worked in the Bush administration. And uh, well, it's emerging now too that not only was Pompeo uh, in on <clears throat> um, <clears throat> the call about the Ukraine, right? <clears throat> first lied about it. Oh, I didn't know anything about that. Oh, yes, I was in on that call. He also sat in on the phone call with uh, Erdogan. The turkey call, where Trump decides unilaterally, apparently with Pompeo's obeisance, uh, to, okay, yeah, well, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll do whatever the Turkish strongman wants. Uh, Pompeo sat there, did nothing. Yeah, and that, of He's course, some serious, uh, <laughs> the transcript of that call, uh, I, I wonder if it, if it will ever surface, but that would be uh, interesting in and of itself. Of course, stupidity is not an impeachable offense, so that's another matter which we'll get to shortly. <clears throat> but hey, it's interesting that today Fiona Hill uh, was testifying, and I don't exactly know what she said because she spoke behind closed doors to the Intelligence Committee. That's the way that works. We understand that. The Intelligence Committee is just one committee looking at the uh, into the impeachment inquiry. But it's very interesting that she resigned... She was an NSC official from the Trump administration uh, several days before this phone call. Mm -hmm. And it's turned out that she is was a, once again, another professional uh, skeptic of Donald Trump's approach to Russia. Uh, I've even speculated after learning more about her that she might be anonymous. Remember the anonymous essay uh, i've been wondering lately who was that yeah it's, it's a, supposedly it was more than one person yeah. because they used Posit. a you know plural pronoun and said you know we are the adults <clears throat> but yeah she is uh quite likely one of them one of them and who knows she might even be one of the other whistleblowers because uh, there are there are, there's at least one more and possibly another uh, but uh, she also worked uh, for other administrations and was always viewed as uh, skeptically by, by Donald Trump personally, that he had some doubts about her and that she had been brought in by Michael Flynn. Well, how fascinating to recall that Michael Flynn, who, of course, is, is how Trump got involved in this whole cover-up scandal from day one, uh, he was forced out after 21 days in the Trump administration, made millions of dollars lobbying for who? Turkey! Turkey! <laughs> so it's amazing if you, if you look at a globe <clears throat> how there is this interesting longitudinal line that goes <laughs> from the Ukraine to Turkey to Syria. Well, and I would say <clears throat> has tendrils that connect back through, uh, as all Trump scandals seem to, to Russia. Yeah. Because, again, you know, you always have to ask the, the question, who benefits? Who benefits from this maneuver? Well, Erdogan uh, obviously gets to uh, enact his uh, military might <clears throat> across the border. Of course, the Kurds have historically... Been screwed over numerous times. Yeah. Uh, Woodrow Wilson initially, in the uh, attempt to create a League of Nations, saw them as worthy of a statehood. They have a specific uh, linguistic group. Uh, they have uh, a culture. Uh, they happen to overlap across the edges of several countries. In fact, we'll list them off. Turkey, Syria, Iraq. Iran. Yes. Uh, right over into Azerbaijan, Armenia area is 
is, uh, you know, where the Kurds have lived for lo these many years. One of the most famous military geniuses in history, Saladin, going back to the Crusades, was a Kurd. So the Kurds did not just, you know, pop up someplace, despite Donald Trump's attempts to, oh, yeah, they're just fighting for their land. No, they've always lived there. Well, and they weren't at Normandy. Like, what? <clears throat> you know who else wasn't at Normandy fighting with us? The Germans. <laughs> who are, you know, today one of our most powerful and potent and, and useful friends. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I mean, just, that, that comment was so bizarre, I don't even know where to begin with it. Yeah. I mean, Douglas MacArthur wasn't at Normandy, uh, if you want to get technical about it. But uh, why the Kurds would be even involved in, in World War II escapes me. Uh, of course, uh, Woodrow Wilson's... Uh, idealistic uh, vision of the world being remade uh, after World War One was ran into all kinds of problems. First, he had problems in the American Senate uh, with Henry Cabot Lodge and the isolationists and whatnot. But German and French imperialists had other uh, German, uh, British and French imperialists mm -hmm. had many different ideas about how to divide up the Middle East, and they certainly didn't want to. Uh, uh, capitulate to any ideas of uh, a Kurdish homeland. As for uh, Donald Trump's brilliant military strategy here, because this has obviously backfired big time, and it's almost too late to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Um, I don't know what this this crazy idea that, oh, well, we don't approve of what they're doing. We created the space within which they are doing it. But, oh, let's put some sanctions on them. Sanctions take weeks, if not months, to kick in. By then, I mean, they're already shooting Kurds on the roadside, you know, like execution style. So uh, that'll be too little too late. And Russia's just licking its chops because now they are the, you know, the big power in the region. Well, and, and, of course, the Kurds are now talking directly with, with Assad. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole thing is is uh, an example of Donald Trump being incompetent and in way over, way over his head. I would also suggest, uh, quite obviously, that I think Erdogan anticipated this withdrawal. Because you'll recall that Donald Trump... Tried to do it earlier. Yes, back in December. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably why Mattis quit. Mattis quit. We know because he wasn't consulted. And, of course, there were other resignations, uh, high-ranking officials in the National Security Council um, who objected to this idea. Trump walked it back. But let's face facts. Erdogan could read Trump like a, like a crooked uh, poker player. Trump uh, is not this great negotiator that he keeps asserting in public. He's Apparently, he's, he's pretty weak and manipulable on the phone. Well, yeah, and, and like I say, I, I doubt we're going to get any transcripts of this call. But the naivete, I mean, the, the analogy that I'd want to bring up here is the, uh, if you'll recall, in 1982 when Israel invaded Lebanon, they controlled a big chunk of southern Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And they opened the gate door to let the Christian Falange into those refugee camps. Where 10, thousands, 000, thousands yeah. of uh, refugees were uh, brutally slaughtered. They were massacred by the Christian Falange. And, of course, Ariel Sharon said, well, we didn't do the killing, as if that was a defense. Uh, the United States had 
by having this sort of minor presence in Syria uh, was was sort of acting as a as a kind of a security guard operation. You know, it's it's like a soccer match where you have security guards in a uniform that are sitting on the inside of the fence to deter the people without tickets from gate crashers. Yeah. yeah. So it would be the kind of the equivalent of the owner of Manchester United telling <clears throat> the security guards, well, "I don't want you just leave and We'll, we'll, we'll worry about that other problem. And the hooligans will police themselves. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, well, the other thing that is complete nonsense, and how anybody can accept this with a straight face, is on the one hand, Trump says, "Oh, uh, we don't want our troops bogged, our, our beautiful troops bogged down in another endless war in the Middle East. What do we got to do with the border between Syria and Turkey?" At the same time, he's sending. Hundreds of troops to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I mean, for no real reason. Over the weekend, it, it was announced that he's sending three thousand additional troops to Saudi Arabia. So the notion that Trump is somehow concerned about endless, endless wars, endlessly or whatever, is another phony, uh, you know, claim by him that's not supported by any facts. He claims that he uh. made this as a campaign promise maybe he's just angling to uh, uh have assad uh let him build a trump tower in damascus who knows well who knows but the the i don't recall trump uh talking about um th this idea of endless wars of getting out of the middle east he uh, he probably wouldn't have been elected if that had been his position because that was Rand paul's position mm -hmm. Rand paul is the only republican senator supporting this and while I think that uh, it, it is smart to start withdrawing troops, and I'm all in favor of it, you have to do it by cutting the Pentagon budget. You have to withdraw troops that are clearly under areas of control, like Germany and South Korea. Mm -hmm. Why do we have all these troops there? The, those are easy withdrawals. Trump hasn't done anything to withdraw troops from those two countries. Uh, the Syrian situation is quite different. There are rules of international law regarding war. We went into that area. Of course we allied with the Kurds. Of course Erdogan is taking advantage of the situation. He doesn't care about American sanctions. Turkey, by the way, if you look it up on in, in like the trade statistics... They're not even in the top 25. We don't have much leverage over Turkey economically. It just, it's just not a factor. Yes, it's a, it's a very large country. I've probably got 75 million people. Uh, it's one of those sort of up-and-coming economies of sorts because of its geographic location. It's not in the EU. It is in NATO. So there are numerous complications here that Trump just is naive about. And as I would suggest, because Trump signaled that he was going to do this uh, eight months ago, <clears throat> Erdogan prepared for the, the moment. It's sort of like... Yeah, they were ready to go. It's like a cat that's kind of creeping up on the bird. <laughs> Slowly, one paw at a time. It's not Tweety Bird who's going to survive. Uh, of course, Tweety Bird always did survive because he was a little smarter than old Sylvester, who had a speech impediment.
But, you know, let's look at some of the other events that, that would explain this crazy Turkish policy. Uh, the week before, there were Iraqi protests. Thou hundreds of people died. This is the week that the American media is trying to ratchet up uh, uh, sort of propaganda about Hong Kong. You know, because the Chinese had their 70th anniversary where uh, one uh, protester was shot. There were protests in Iraq that were a hundred times worse. Who are, is in charge of Iraq? Mm, the United States a little bit. Uh, we still have 10,000 troops there. Uh, the day before this alleged phone call, um, North Korea promptly withdrew from the nuclear talks. Um, just walked out of them <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a hissy fit. And, of course... Donald Trump has reassured the public over and over that that uh, um, Kim Jong Un is is a is my little friend. He's a beautiful man. We exchange beautiful letters. Hold me closer, tiny dancer. <laughs> it's all kind of convoluted and strange. <clears throat> and uh, the, these were other events that were were going on. And of course, the Afghan Taliban negotiations broke down a couple of weeks yep. ago completely. Uh, John Bolton, as odious as he is, and was, and remains, <laughs> and ever shall be, I suspect. Don't get me wrong. I'm never going to have a soft spot for John Bolton. But it was too much for even him. But John that's, Bolton. That's kind of the thing there. Yeah. John Bolton is, as I, as I was saying when he resigned a couple of weeks ago, or was fired, you know, there's a, that ridiculous debate. Um, uh, Bolton insists that he resigned, whatever. You know, it was the process. He knew that Pompeo was had the upper hand in that debate and uh, on all sorts of issues, quite frankly. He did not approve of the Taliban uh, talks at Camp David, <laughs> which was a remarkable thing. A ludicrous proposition in the best light. Yeah, and, <clears throat> you know, obviously uh, Trump has got domestic problems at home with the Ukrainian scandal unfolding drip by drip. Uh, this, in, by the way, in no way, shape, or form resembles uh, the Clinton impeachment this is more a la Nixon. This is very much so campaign intrigue. Um, you know, lying, all the president's lying. men. Yeah, and 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 with you know these suspicious connections between um, <coughs> Giuliani and these. Hey Mo, hey Mo. Uh, you know, this has gone from teapot dome to crackpot dome, <laughs> crack pipe dome, practically. <laughs> I mean. It is interesting to know more surreal every every week <laughs> that uh, well you know what was really surreal was that letter that the uh, White House legal counsel presented to Congress saying here's why we're going to continue to reject uh, all of Congress's oversight um, powers clearly uh, enunciated in the Constitution the basic argument when you boil it down is that the Constitution is unconstitutional right. So, on its face, the argument that they made was like, ah, the judge's reactions to it were amusing. One said it was repugnant on its face. Another judge said, wow, that's what you're going with? 
Um, so there's that. But then also the fact that you now have a parallel criminal investigation into Rudy Giuliani and his uh, weird, thuggish uh, co-conspirators. Um, <laughs> the specials song, A Message to You, Rudy. <laughs> That's been in my head for about a week now. Nosferatu has uh, finally broken a fang. Um, this is pretty amusing to see Rudy now under investigation by the uh, District of New York uh, federal prosecutor that he once ran. Yeah, and of course, he has hired a criminal lawyer. That's an interesting note uh, that I'll mention. And you wonder if... Uh, uh, Fruman and Parnas, the uh, Ukrainian businessman, men connected to oligarchs, born in the USSR, I might add, uh, back when it was the USSR. And they had money to flash around. Apparently, yeah. what's his name? Uh, the uh, House Minority Leader has received money from those guys, which and he now says he's giving to charity. I mean, why would you take money from Giuliani? <laughs> well... And the thing is, is Giuliani has definitely been exposed as the the man with the hand <laughs> behind the Ukrainian uh, mm -hmm. shenanigans. You know, uh, it's strange that he was taking advice from uh, a former prosecutor named Lutsenko. And it, by the way, it's very hard to keep track of these names. In the Ukraine. The Ukrainian uh, prosecutor, Lutsenko. Yeah, yeah, Lutsenko, who worked for Poroshenko, who Zelensky fired after the phone call. Right. <laughs> in other words, I, what I keep getting back to with Trump's original phone call with the Ukrainian uh, president, Zelensky, is how confused Trump is about what he's even talking about. Zelensky's probably holding the phone going, who am I talking to here? <laughs> this, this this man is delusional. Um <clears throat> So, yeah, I mean, it's it's getting quite interesting, you know, and Giuliani, of course, has promoted this uh, fraudulent black ledger theory, the black ledger. <laughs> oh, that's the dubious idea that it wasn't Russia, but the Ukraine who were involved in uh, election hacking. Yes. And that uh, again, that that can't make Putin upset. And let's remember that Paul Manafort, uh, Trump's campaign manager, uh, was... And Rudy's consulting partner, uh, recently. Yeah, was was uh, Yanukovych's mm -hmm. right-hand man. Yanukovych fled uh, the Ukraine in 2014 on the eve, on, right as the, the Maiden uh, protests were occurring in Kiev. Uh, he was replaced by Poroshenko. So there have been so many different... Uh, Ukrainian presidents in recent years, it's uh, going to be a question on Jeopardy soon enough <laughs> because it is hard to keep track of. You'll also remember that one of the reformist Ukrainian presidents dating back to the last decade, uh, and I'm drawing a blank on his name at the moment, I think it was Yovtyshenko, he was poisoned. He was the guy oh, yeah. whose face literally turned into something you'd see in a George Romero mm -hmm. horror movie because he was poisoned by who? The Russians. Yeah, that's uh, they got a soft spot for poisoning people. Yeah, and and that's, of course, going on all over the place. So uh, this this whole scandal, is, is it's hard to keep track of because there are so many twists and turns. It's a drip by drip. The bottom line 
is that uh, Trump and the White House found out about this whistleblower complaint and they tried to cover it up. That's what this is all about. Uh, of course, Trump insists that the phone call was it was beautiful. Perfect. It was it was just like one of those Nixon calls. <laughs> Speaking of Nixon calls, in the uh, spirit of the age in which we are living, I uh, observed uh, to my wife Mars uh, a few weeks ago. I was like, "Boy, you know, it's time to reread Woodward and Bernstein's The Final Days," which indeed I have begun to do. And for those of you out there who find yourself sort of depressed at the endless morass that this disastrous presidency has sort of uh, spiraled like a toilet that just won't flush, just swirling and swirling and swirling. Um, I know it's hard, but if you can find it in yourself to engage your, your mind into a state of detached bemusement, yeah. we're just coming into the hilarity. The final days almost reads like a comedy. Nixon's incredible paranoia, his desperation, he's listening to the tapes over and over again, trying to spin them in a way that, you know, this exonerates me when his lawyers are like, oh, gee, he just asked us to fake evidence. You know that Trump's in a similar mindset. Those around him are beginning to go, oh, gee, I can't afford the kind of lawyers that are going to be necessary to keep me out of jail. Well, We're just getting into final days country. So. Yeah. And let's remember, by Try the way, to laugh at some of it. that Nixon did release transcripts of the White Indeed House Indeed he tapes. did. Thinking. They, they were released yeah. on the 30th of April, 1974. It turned into an instant New York Times bestseller with a debate and a forward by R.W. Apple debating as to whether this would lead to the impeachment of, Donald Trump, of, of, of Richard Nixon. But, uh, of course, Nixon's problem was that the, the transcripts that he released, the edited transcripts that he released, conflicted with the actual tapes. He was finished. Well, <clears throat> we're uh, finished uh, down here on uh, Gray Matters here on uh, WCBN FM Ann Arbor. To stay tuned, Yazoo City Calling is coming up next. That's George Williams in the background doing take two of Frisco leaving Birmingham for 1928. Playing harmonica, and he'll be saying a few words in, in between there. Telling you it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jerry Mack, your host this evening for an hour-long excursion into the land of Delta Blues and early urban blues, performed and lived by the men and women who started it all. This track found on a Yazoo collection called Going Away Blues, recorded in 1928. And uh, George Williams, who uh, frequently performed with uh, uh, Booker White around uh, West Point, Mississippi. He's believed to be from Alabama. But they're not sure. Anyway, uh, not much says about him here, although uh, it says that he 
is a notorious drinker and drank too much uh, canned heat. So, anyway, we're going to head on down the tracks with him this evening on Yazoo City Calling and the Going Away Blues. Frisco leaving Birmingham. It's a, finally a frosty and pleasant Monday evening here. Frost warning out tonight, so if you got any plants 